Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry. Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. This is James White, the pastor at Lighthouse Community Church in Vernon, Alabama, and I'm sitting here with the guys for another episode. My week has been pretty good since the last time we recorded. I've just finished up school for the summer and Yay. been trying to get my new shelves put in. And since the last recording, me and my wife actually found out we were going to be having a baby. Uh, so February 2019, we were expecting our first child and so i have a lot of work to do in between now and then to get everything ready which is why i'm getting my bookshelf put in how's everything going for you guys going good for me i don't know where do i start me and my wife are getting ever closer to having our our next daughter <laughs> we're uh 36 weeks now so it won't be too much longer today was an eventful day wasn't it james oh no doubt <laughs> uh my wife pretty much had a uh, search party out to find me today because apparently there was a big communication blackout down in Pickens County. Throughout the whole county, I believe, there was no cell phone service, no internet, no um, landlines, nothing. Like, you you couldn't communicate with anybody. So I didn't realize it until I got to work. So my wife didn't know what was going on. I hadn't spoken to her, so she was trying to figure that out all day, and it kind of stressed her out, but... Uh, we were able to, I was able to finally get in touch with her and let her know everything was okay. But that's, that's been my past few days. What about you guys? Yeah, uh, I've had a slightly difficult week so far. Uh, this is Chris from Reformation Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana area, by the way. My week personally has been fine, I've, uh, but I've just, you know, been involved with some uh, some family and friends and stuff who've had some difficult times this past week. So, but generally same old, same old for me personally, just moving forward with a lot of church projects that we're trying to get off the ground and things like that. How about you, uh, Corey? Oh, wait, Corey's not on here. Uh, <laughs> Daniel? Well, uh, I'm doing good. This is Daniel, uh, youth pastor at Calera Baptist Church in Calera, Alabama. I have not been on in a little bit. Um, I don't know exactly how long it's been since my last time to record with you guys, but uh, six, seven, eight months, you know, something like that. <laughs> we'll look back at the, at the history. Um, no, it's been about two months. Okay, there you go. So it's been a minute, but uh, I've had a lot going on. Went on a mission trip to um, Ecuador back in June, and this month has just been very busy with all types of things. I think that was June. Either June or beginning of July. I can't remember my dates now. The summer's been very crazy. Been the last few weeks just been trying to get ramped up for the fall with our student ministry. We've got um, lots planned for the fall semester for Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and all types of stuff happening. So I'm very, very excited about that. Um, just also really excited about just a lot of things that have been happening just in my own personal life. You know, Allie and I and Charlie, our daughter, just got moved into our new home. Um, less than a month ago, and so we're excited to be here and be in a new neighborhood, and it's a very good location, so we're just excited about that and change that's coming with that. Of course, the not-so-fun part to all that is getting bills and everything moved over and figuring out every moving part that goes with moving into a house, but that's all right. We're getting there, but uh, anyway, that's, that's about all that I've got. All right, so in this episode... We are going to be talking about relational evangelism. Going back to what I was just saying about being in Ecuador, that was a lot of what we did while we were there. Our trip to Ecuador, I went with 13 other people from our church, and the sole purpose and focus of our trip was evangelism. I have actually never before this trip been on a trip that was just solely focused on evangelism. So it was really neat to get to be a part of that and get to do that and get to be so 
intentionally focused and, and really just laser focused on going out, partnering with local churches, going and visiting folks in the neighborhoods that those churches are planted in, and sharing the gospel, getting to know people. And so that being the case, coming back home, I've, I've definitely had a new, a renewed fire and um, desire just to seek opportunities to share the gospel with people. And it's been a very neat um, thing to be a part of and, and just kind of watch God do in my life. Even though I'm a youth pastor, fear of evangelism is still a very real thing. And so I've never felt truly uh, empowered, I guess, or confident in my ability to go and evangelize, share the gospel, close the deal, so to speak. I've never really felt super uh, confident in that. So this trip was was one that was just really wonderful for me to help me to grow in my own faith, to grow in my own evangelism efforts, and to just grow in my discipline of seeking opportunities to share the gospel like I should be anyways. And so when I came back home, James, you and I have had conversation about this, about mm-hmm. um, just the, um, I guess, the beauty of relational evangelism. Where And when I say relational evangelism, the main thing that I really mean by that is that it's evangelism that takes place in more of a one-on-one or maybe a one-on-two setting, not so much so in a setting of like a, a church sanctuary where you're having a worship service and the speaker is sharing the gospel to a crowd of people. It's more about you going into somebody's home or going into going to get lunch with somebody or whatever it might be for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them in that kind of a setting. So it's more personal It's more one-on-one, and it's more intentionally focused on that person that you're speaking to, getting to know them as an individual, getting to understand what their life is like, and then approaching that gospel-centered conversation from that angle of that person's conversation that you're having with them in that moment. Not so much so, just it's, it's not as broad of an evangelistic approach, and so... Um, when I think about relational evangelism, that's kind of what I'm talking about in the aspect of just making sure that when I'm talking to a person, it doesn't matter where I am or when it is, that I'm seeking an opportunity to transition that conversation to the gospel. So when we think about the different forms of evangelism, uh, obviously there's event evangelism, uh, large crowd evangelism, personal evangelism, church evangelism. Uh, there's many, many different definitions out there for those things. And so really listening to what you're trying to get at with this idea of relational evangelism, it's uh, building a relationship with an individual so that you can move into a gospel conversation with them mm-hmm. so that you can address the gospel personally in their life rather than a generalized statement or approach of sharing the gospel. Yeah, and sometimes that relationship can be a more long-term relationship, you know, maybe with a coworker or a family member or a next door neighbor. But then sometimes that relationship might be one with the person at the grocery store that Mm -hmm. you're talking to. And you just so happen to see an opportunity to talk to this person for, you know, even five minutes, even though that's a very short period of time, you can still experience relational evangelism, even in that short period of time, because in that, you are intentionally showing that person that you care about them as a human being. Maybe you're trying to ask them where they go to church, or maybe you're asking them what part of the neighborhood they live in or part of what town they live in, something like that. You're interested in finding out about that person. So that's relational doesn't necessarily mean that it's a long-term relationship. It can be short-term relationship as well. It's just a matter of recognizing it as a one-on-one type of conversation and opportunity. Yeah, and I believe that this is something that's very hard for many people to do. It's very hard to get personally involved in somebody's life and build a relationship with others. But I also think that this might be one of the most fundamental basic aspects of evangelizing is to grow a relationship with other people. I, I think that, in my opinion, the church is really built upon that, upon relationships and then taking those relationships to the point where we will tell others about Jesus Christ and the good news of his coming. But it is a very difficult thing to do, and I'm sure we'll get more into that later. 
But I did want to point that out for the listeners out there that we understand that it can be tough. We understand that building these relationships can be a hard thing. It's like Daniel alluded to earlier, you know, pastor for like eight years now, I guess. And then many of us, you know, we've been in ministry, uh, official ministry as pastors and youth pastors. And sometimes evangelism still uh, scares the crap out of us to transition the the conversation into a gospel-centered thing rather than Alabama football or Right. whatever Louisiana football has over there uh, <laughs> or, you know, work or school or whatever the case may be. So if anybody's listening and they're a pastor and they just feel ashamed that, you know, evangelism scares them, hey, I, I think it's okay because there's moments in my life when I evangelize and tell somebody about Jesus and, man, I, I'm frightened the whole time. But um, I think that's okay because then my dependence leaves my own knowledge and my own ability and moves towards trusting in the Holy Spirit to do what his job is and what his role is. Yeah, this one thing that happened this week to me, well, I'll go back to Wednesday. So on Wednesday nights, I meet with our 20-something-year-olds at church, and we've been going over discipleship, and we've been going over some evangelism tactics and things like that, or we were doing some apologetics. And a couple of weeks ago, I brought it back and was just like, you know, let's let's focus in on the gospel and just talk about the gospel for a while. Or a few weeks and just, you know, there's a couple different things we read together and just discussed it. And on this last Wednesday night, one of the things we talked about was, you know, praying for God to give you opportunities and then actually following through when God gives you opportunities. So that was Wednesday. Thursday morning, I woke up at like five something and I could hear some arguing and stuff going on on the other side of my wall outside my neighbors whatever was going on out there and this is a really long story i'll try to make it short (laughs) so i woke up i heard that i went back to sleep i brought out the garbage and when i was bringing out the garbage to the end of the road my guy was across the street like an 18 year old guy he asked me if he could use my phone well in the meantime this it came out that time found out there had been like an argument he needed a ride so i offered to give him a ride as well so, you know, God answered, like I, I messaged the group later. I was like, God, God answers prayers. Sometimes he answers prayers in less than 12 hours because a guy showed up on my front lawn this morning and God gave me the perfect opportunity to share the gospel with somebody because I had him like he was going to get in my car and I was going to have him for 15 to 20 minutes, you know, while I was driving and where I was going. So it was just a great, quick, compact version of relational evangelism that I experienced um, because as I was asking him what was going on, like, you know, him and his girlfriend, uh, where is he from? How's it, who's his family? Uh, it turned out that he actually grew up in Utah and he was a Mormon. He grew up Mormon. And, um, so then I got to ask him, Oh, so like, what do you like, what do they believe about God? What do you believe about God? Um, and then at the end of it, you know, while I still had, <laughs> we got to our destination and I still had all of his, his bags in my trunk. I was like, all right, well, while we're here, and then I shared the gospel with him. You know, I, I told him what I said, like, well, here's what I believe about God, what, what the Bible says about God. And then was able to take that and share the gospel with them. And it was really just, you know, like you said, it was it was a thing that almost was nerve wracking and kind of scary, even though it's like, how many times have I done this? How many times have I spoken in front of other people? How You know, the guy's in my car. I'm doing him a favor. There should be no reason. I should be afraid, <laughs> like all of these things, but it's, it still can be there. But like, like we said, as God gives the opportunity, it's something that we ought to follow through and take the opportunity whenever it's presented. Well, no doubt, because it would have been very easy for you to pop your trunk. You got the location and been like, Hey man, uh, I hate everything's going bad in your life. And I'll be praying for you and then chop that up as you did what God wanted you to. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and I, I don't say that in a judgmental way because I can look back on my life in times where I had a clear opportunity to share the gospel with someone, even people that I've known forever and I catch them in the darkest moments of their lives and can really share God's love through of, of us through Christ Jesus in such a way in that moment that I can any other time and I've chickened out or, or mm-hmm. I've just not been intentional enough in transitioning. One thing that you, you talked about uh, the importance of having that prayer. I'm part of the Caskey center. And so the thing that they push every year for us is we were 
part of our scholarship is share the gospel with someone every week. And their point is a Monday morning prayer is what they call it. And it's praying on Monday morning that you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And then each day follow up with that same Monday morning prayer every day of the week. Um, and so it's one thing that they've pushed extremely uh, on us. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because uh, I, I believe, and I think all, all of the ones on the podcast would agree with this is that when it comes to one coming to Christ and salvation, it has nothing to do with our efforts as the one presenting the gospel, but God has invited us to be a part of what he's wanting to do in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be intentional in recognizing those moments, especially through building relationships or taking the opportunities when people just magically show up in your front yard <laughs> and share the gospel with them. And so I'm encouraged by by that story. I don't know about the listeners or anybody else, but and I'm so glad that you were able to to text back to that group and encourage them. And so you have those 20 somethings that they have this positive example of evangelism now. Yeah. Well, you're a 20 something. So I'm glad that you have that positive example now as well. Uh, <laughs> I think every, Oh no, Daniel's Daniel. Are you 30 yet? I'm 30. Yeah. Uh, old <laughs> man of the, the podcast. I'm not the only one. <laughs> hey i'll be 27 in a few days so oh, but it, <laughs> so that makes me the youngest yeah you're definitely the youngest Corey and daniel since they're youth pastors probably act the youngest but um <laughs> 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 well i think um i think we've done a good job kind of explaining not only what relational evangelism is, but also giving an example of it. And I think that's an, an encouraging thing and an important thing to kind of get out there on the forefront of this conversation, because there is so many aspects and forms that we can evangelize to individuals out there. And so I guess my biggest question when we're talking about this is if there is so many forms of evangelism, why is it so important to take advantage of personal evangelism? Well, I think because it is personal, it's, uh, you know, it allows you to get to know other people to become a part of their life. And I believe that that has a value in sharing the gospel with them. I know, um, you know, you have many people that, that like to do that and it's not necessarily a wrong way to do it. I have some, some uh, issues with the, idea of people that will stand and hold a sign that says something about Jesus. Now, there's nothing bad about that, per se, but I do believe that when you take opportunities to build relationships, to build personal understanding of another human being and where they're coming from, where what their experiences are in life. I know, especially where I work, many of the people that I work with are actually come from a very rough background. We hire a lot of people that actually cannot get jobs anywhere else, they will come to us. So we hire a lot of felons. We hire a lot of uh, drug users. We hire a lot of people in really, really tough situations. And being able to uh, know these people and know their lives, know what's going on, helps me to understand what I can do to minister to them and how I can share the gospel with them. And I believe there is an, a inherent, an inherent good about seeking to understand other, other people in that way. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, something that I think about, you know, a couple of things. First off, just in that, you know, you think about this value that we're talking about. The value is that you are able to show that person that they have value. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm thinking about the scripture that we see and we know very well of where Jesus goes and meets the woman at the well. You know, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he did not come to her and say, hey, listen to me when I, because I have something to tell you. He came to her and the first thing he did was recognize her as a human being. Now, we know that this woman was not a, a woman who was very high, of very high standard or very high value, even in her own community. And so for Jesus to come and acknowledge her for a, a, as a human being, a, as a person, automatically shows her that, okay, hey, he, this is a different type of person because he is showing me that I have value just in the way that he's approaching me, just the way, in the way that he's encountering me. And so we can do that every day. You know, we can, whether it's at Walmart, whether it's at church, whether it's over the phone, where, you know, wherever, whenever, we can be intentional to show people that they have value. And not only that, but that we value them. 
as a human being first and then ultimately through the eyes of Christ by seeking some way to transition that conversation to the gospel. So that's the greatest value that I see in having those one-on-one encounters with people is that you're able to take that time to personally show that person not only that you care, but even more important than that, that the Lord cares about them. Whether they believe in him or not, you can still show them that the God that you know loves them. Yeah, and I, this could go a little bit as well to what we might talk about in a little bit about how to transition the conversation. But First mm-hmm. Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, In your hearts, honor Christ. The Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. I think that that kind of relates to what we're talking about right now in the sense that if you're being relational with people, if you're being you know more than just out there holding a sign, you're, you're out in the community, you're among other people, you're doing things, you're being relational with people, that's the only way they're going to know that you have a hope inside of you to ask you you know, or to come near, you know, to give you an opportunity for you to tell them about Christ, for you to tell them what your hope is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's right. It's biblical in that way. And it, it it's, uh, it's valuable in that way because people see a difference where your life and your message line up. I was actually going to add in that one quick story of an encounter that I had while I was in Ecuador. A gentleman by the name of Diofren was crippled in both legs. And the first day that that I met him, I asked him if I could share a story with him. And he said, yes. And I shared the gospel. After I shared the gospel, he spoke up and explained why he was was struggling with what I was telling him. And he said, because he thinks that God shows favoritism to people who have money and who have wealth. Because they have good health and they have money. They have a job. They have family. And Diofren viewed himself as someone who did not have value, someone who was basically just looked over by God. And I didn't really know in that moment how to respond to him. And I was actually a little bit upset with myself because I felt like I had allowed that opportunity to slip through my fingers. So I prayed that night that God would give me another opportunity. Long story short, two days later, I go back and I visit with Diofren again. And God had laid a passage on my heart from the book of James that just helped, that, that talks about how the rich fade away like a flower. They're here one day and they're gone the next. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was able to show him that money does not mean that God values that person more than you. And on top of that, I was able to point out to Diofren because his friend, who was a member of the church that we were partnered with, was who took us to him. And so I was able to point to his friend and, and, and explain to Diofren that God values you more than you realize because you have a friend right here who loves you Mm -hmm. so much that he wants to help you, he wants to be by your side, and he wants to to show you the love of Christ on a daily basis. I said, I'm just here for a week. He's here. He's your next-door neighbor. He's, he's here every day of your life. And so I was able to show him that, and as a result of me showing him that, I shared the gospel with him again, and he came to salvation that day. Okay. And the very next moment, his wife came to salvation as well. And so that's the value of one-on-one encounters with somebody because I was able to show him through the word of God, just how much God truly valued him, regardless of what his physical condition was, um, that God loved him and has, and has an eternal plan for him that maybe beforehand he just didn't know about until he heard the truth. And so it was incredible to get to see God, you know, just soften his heart over a period of 48 hours. It was amazing. Man, that, amazing story just to hear about how God is working in that. And, you know, you were telling that story and I couldn't help but think about in John chapter one in 43 through um, 51 is the story of Christ calling Philip and Nathaniel to be his disciples. And, you know, you see this story is that Philip encounters Christ and he follows after Christ. And then after that, what he goes and does is he goes and finds Nathaniel tells Nathaniel that he has found the Messiah. Nathaniel, in his doubting, comes to, to, to make a fool of Philip, essentially. And Christ reveals to, to Nathaniel who he is. And he comes to Christ and follows after Christ as well. I think there's story after story after story in the Old and New Testament where we see personal evangelism coming about. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I, I also thought about Paul and when he was imprisoned and he, the, the Philippi jailer, you know, everything falls apart. They, they, they could escape. They choose not to. Um, and you hear so many times of why Paul chose not to escape because he would understood what would happen to that jailer. And we don't know that through scripture, but we can believe something of the nature is that that jailer would die for the escaped prisoners. So Paul and them stay behind. And because of that, because of this opportunity that God had given them to share the gospel with this man in desperation about to take his own life, that he, he comes to Christ. And just like the story you just shared, you also see that this jailer goes back to his home and he, he shares the gospel with his family. They come to Christ and his entire household is, comes into faith yes. in Christ. Yes. Um, and it's just uh, to see how God works through this. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah. Let me just go ahead and throw this out there. I have yet to discover a smooth and unawkward way to transition a conversation to the gospel. Okay, so let's just go ahead and put it out there. Transitioning to the gospel is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that as if we're, if we're willing to, to admit that it's in admitting that, that we can begin to actually embrace that awkwardness and work past it all the quicker. You know what I mean? Like we can actually get on past that awkward moment, go ahead and accept that this is just, it's just an uncomfortable transition because here's the, here's the reality of it. We are transitioning from talking about temporary things to eternal things. Uh, That's not easy. We can't, it's, there's no way to go from talking about the weather (laughs) <laughs> you're talking about Christ without it going the, the person that you're talking to going, Whoa, bro. I mean, wow, won't you just make this thing all deep and stuff? I mean, you know what else? The topic the, of Jesus is deep. You know what? What, what when else the sky was dark? Whenever Jesus died, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you that wind blowing that's what the Holy Spirit feels like. It's the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right. <laughs> So that being said, now we can actually talk about how do we transition to the gospel. So, I, I you know, I've definitely got some ideas, but I'm going to shut up for a minute and let you guys talk. Well, let me let me start out here. I think that uh, understanding the situation can help as well. Uh, there are many times we have encounters with people and we are talking to them about temporary things. We're talking to them about life and we know that we're probably not going to see them after this moment. I know I've had multiple encounters like that. I used to actually, um, well, I, I still will if the opportunity presents itself, but I lived in Tuscaloosa. So a lot of times on my way home, I would meet a lot of people who were looking, well, they weren't looking for a ride, but they were making their way towards Tuscaloosa. So I'd pull over, give them a ride. Some people would call that foolish, but I called it an opportunity. So I would get these people in, in my ride and, and, kind of talk to them about what's going on. And uh, I knew that this is probably the only time that I'm actually going to interact with this person. So I kind of made a uh, quicker push to share the gospel with him or her. But in other situations, we know that this is somebody we're going to be interacting with daily or at least very frequently. I think we will take those. We can take those a bit slower. I, I probably would especially with like co-workers i know that many co-workers i spent time just just building a relationship with just getting to know them and and i know there's three or four guys i'm really close with at work that i just took time to build a relationship with and then found ways to share the gospel and to tell them about jesus uh, without trying to stick it to them really really quickly in our relationship and kind of easing it along but being stern and helping them to understand the gospel i believe knowing the situation and knowing who you're speaking to can help you a lot in how you transition yeah and i would add to that like kind of what i was talking about earlier with with my group that transitioned back to the gospel you need to be able to you need to know the gospel you need to be be able to be fluent in the gospel you need to practice if need be Mm -hmm. saying what the gospel is Mm -hmm. being able to freely and fluently say what the gospel is proclaim the gospel if you don't know it if you don't know it yourself that's (laughs) you know even just for your own sake you need to know the gospel 
for the sake of discipleship and evangelism, you need to know the gospel. You need to be able to say what it is. Because if you can't do that, that's one of the big things, I think, that for a lot of people transitioning or even just, you know, evangelizing it in any way, they're afraid they don't know what to say. And part of the reason you don't know what to say is because you haven't taught yourself. You learn how to do any number of things in your life that you want to be able to do. If you really want to learn how to share the gospel, you have to learn the gospel. Yeah. And that'll be one of my resources I'll share later, but um, learn the gospel. And that's one of the main steps of this awkwardness or, you know, weirdness and transitioning or anything like that. You can transition all day long, but if you don't know what to say whenever you get there, (laughs) um, then that's going to be the awkward part. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, what I would add to that or really just echo in that is, is when I began training with the rest of this team to go on our mission trip, one of the things we did was we practiced reciting the gospel. Hmm. We used the three circles method of, of sharing. And, you know, there's, there's nothing super spectacular about three circles. It's very simple. It's very replicable. And it's something that, that seriously a, a 10 year old could do assuming that 10 year old knows Christ. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and what we did was we literally got together we practiced it. It's in kind of an illustration that you draw out as you share with a person. And so we practiced drawing it out and sharing at the same time with one another. And then when we went on our trip, when we were actually there on the ground, we had team leaders. And those team leaders would take, we broke up into different teams of two or three people. And the team leader was was typically somebody who had gone on a previous trip. And so therefore that team leader already had experience in going out and sharing, working with the translator, doing all that kind of stuff. But what that team leader was doing on that first day, first couple of days even, was modeling evangelism for us, modeling using this method. They were modeling using or even modeling transitioning, modeling carrying that conversation from temporary to eternal, so on and so forth. Um, and so not only did we already know it ourselves, but we, then we experienced someone else do it. We got to watch them do it. And then at that point, they pushed us to do it. And so we know it, we've seen it, and now we're going to do it. But we're not doing it all alone. We're doing it with them assisting us. And so, you know, that's extremely important in recognizing that just like what, what you were saying, Chris, that that if we're, we can, you know, nail the transition all day long, but if we don't know what we're getting to, then, you know, the transition is, is worthless. The transition in and of itself is nothing more than a segue to get to the truth, to get to what matters the most. And so that's what I would, I would encourage our listeners to do and to, to, to really be intentional with is if you are scared or you feel like you're, um, incompetent even, or whatever it might be, and being able to share the gospel, um, find someone who knows how. Ask that person to mentor you. Ask that person to take you out with them um, and go find somebody to share Jesus with. Ask that person to take you on a visit or, or tell that person, hey, I've got a friend who I want to hear the gospel. Will you go with me and share with them? Hmm. You know, whatever it might be, but don't wait on that person to come to you. Be intentional to say, man, evangelism is something I must be doing. The Lord has called me to do this, and I'm scared to death. I've got to find somebody who can help me. Um, and if it's somebody who's good, then they'll do just that. They'll model it for you. They'll assist you, and then they'll watch you as you do it. They're going to they're gonna be intentional to build you up to that point. They're not just going to throw you out to the wolves. Um, they're going to help you as you grow in your ability to share that truth. And plain and simple – this is the simplest fact of the whole night. The more you do it, the better you get. The the model they used in training y'all sounds oddly familiar to how Christ trained the disciples. Right. He called them to himself. They followed he they followed after him. They watched him do ministry. Eventually they sent out the he sends out the twelve. Uh he sends out the seventy, watching them, you know, helping them, cooperating with them. And then he trains them as they go through this. The final thing that he does is he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we do. That's what happens with us. Because yeah. the people that I went with on that on that trip, guess what? I don't go out every day with them now. They mm-hmm. left. You know, we all came back home and went back to our own our own places. But I've still been trained. I've still been equipped. I don't need them with me now. 
Now the job yeah. is for me to go and train others so that they can then go and train others and so on and so forth. It's this little thing we like to call making disciples. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the negatives to this approach to evangelism? For me, I wouldn't say it's a negative necessarily, but it with it's not ingrained in it, but it could be a shortcoming that we typically fall into where we take too long to get to the gospel mm. or we just want our relationship like you know the whole like uh preach the gospel always and use words of when necessary like that <laughs> like everybody just wants to well they'll they'll know that i'm a christian because of the way that i live and i don't even have to share the gospel because my life shares the gospel and like well no <laughs> you you actually have to get around to sharing the gospel um so i don't think that it's true relational evangelism if we wanted to define it that way but it's a pitfall that we can often fall into mm -hmm. of well we're building a relationship and we don't want to destroy a relationship or we don't want to be weird or we don't you know and then it just becomes excuses or becomes we're delaying the inevitable and we never get around to the inevitable so not an, an inherent problem but i think it's a problem that we often fall into yeah i definitely would agree chris that that's the biggest danger in this approach because like you're getting at is that we can take too long in of moving towards that in the in the relationship that i've actually heard of people trying to share the the gospel with people that they've known for years that they've built this relationship with and those individuals like man we don't want to hear this from you we've had we've had a good thing going for this long hmm. and now you're going to start this and so i definitely agree that that's the the biggest um that's the biggest danger in focusing just on this side of thing of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would say from a student ministry perspective, you know, I'm thinking from the mind of a teenager right now, when you encourage a teenager, a student to become more intentional in relational evangelism, of course, one of their fears is that when they go to that friend at school, that they will become labeled as a Jesus freak. Not that that's a bad thing. We know that's not a bad thing. Thank you. DC talk. Um, but what we do know is that that is a genuine fear in the mind and in the life of a teenager, that they are going to potentially lose friends when they share uh, Jesus with someone one-on-one. -on -one. And we know that, that this is what Christ has called us to, but this is also why we've got to see the value. We've got to see the goal in sharing Jesus. It's not just to get people in church. It's not just to build our youth group. It, it sure as heck isn't just to mark off a checklist of, okay, I shared Jesus with somebody this week. It's to grow the kingdom of God. And plain and simple, I mean, Jesus makes it abundantly clear the things that we risk when we go and share the gospel because he tells us plain and simple that the gospel is offensive. And so when we go and share that with somebody and <laughs> inevitably get to that point in the gospel, if you're sharing the full gospel, of telling a person that, hey, you're a sinner, you've offended God, and you deserve eternal eternal suffering and separation from God in a place called hell, hey, that might be a little offensive to somebody. And we've got to be willing to basically to stand behind what we say. And so there is risk, but it, I, I don't know that I would call it negative. The risk is that that person decides they don't ever want to talk to you again because of what you've just shared with them. Mm -hmm. To be completely honest, you know, I, we've got to be okay with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, I, especially as you said, you know, thinking into the life of the teenagers. But honestly, it doesn't change much with adulthood. Right. Um, being <laughs> uh, Thinking as a pastor, you know, I, when I talk with those in my church, one of their biggest things is they're afraid that, you know, either one, they will lose that relationship or or the second thing that really comes to in fears of in people's mind is that when they begin to share the gospel with somebody, they won't be able to answer that question that they may have about those impossible questions. And, and so there's definitely some difficulties with this. I mean, it's unavoidable though, man. It's, you know, there's, there's going to be side effects of when we get out there and share the gospel. And I think the thing that we have to focus on is that God will save someone through, you know, Christ Jesus but also through the efforts that he's empowering us to do in the individual's life by sharing Christ with them. Yeah. And so, and I think that uh, something else we have to remember is 
Many times that person that might have been pushed away by sharing the gospel with them will have a seed that's been planted and then later on it will be watered. And I actually speak from personal experience because there were many people, and I've, I've expressed this earlier, I think whenever we uh, introduced me as a host, that I was an atheist before I became a Christian. And I became a Christian when I was 22 years old. So there were many people before that that I that tried to share the gospel with me that I pushed away, that I didn't want to have anything to do with, that I, I, I really hated. And, uh, but I do believe, though, that planted a seed in me that was watered down the road and, and you know, blossomed into uh, regeneration and me being a follower of Jesus now. Uh, so there is actually positive in these these so-called negatives where planting that seed can have a positive impact for the kingdom later on. Yeah, and just as an encouragement to anybody, Romans one sixteen says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power. God, like God uses his word, his proclaimed word, for salvation. If you, dear listener, <laughs> don't know how to answer every question that comes your way, that's okay. Because that's guess okay. what? You still believe. You are still saved. You are still a Christian and you don't have all the answers. You don't know all of the answers. So God can still save this person who you don't have all the answers for. Mm. If you share the gospel with them, if you proclaim the gospel, that that is your that is what you're called to do. That's what you're required to do. You may not answer everything, and that's okay. Because, like I said, even you yourself don't have all the answers, and you still believe. It's okay. <laughs> Trust in God and in His work. What He has done in your life, He can do in the life of others. Man. Sorry, I just had to step off my preacher pedestal. <laughs> no, I, I think that's actually going to bring us to a good end and encouragement to, to the listeners before we transition into the plug of the week. Jamie told us earlier he doesn't have any plugs. So, Daniel, what do you got for us? Yeah, so mine's not a typical plug. I'm I'm actually going to be recommending an, an app that you can download to your phone. Angry uh, Birds? I man, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called the Life on Mission, um, and it is actually the three circles. It's... Um, an awesome little tool that you can use if for nothing else for personal training you can go and take a look at how the three circles works what it is there's an explanation for every step within that and then even a follow-up explanation or, or a follow-up piece of information that you can look at that helps you to know how to work your way through from start to finish of that gospel presentation how to bring that person to a point where they are given the opportunity to repent and come to Christ. And then even the next step after that, if they come to salvation. So it's a great tool to use, um, a, a great thing to use. Like I said, if for no, if for no other reason for your own practice and your own training method. But the one thing I want to mention before I lose my opportunity here is seek accountability. That's the one thing that I didn't cover that I didn't mention beforehand. Not only seek somebody who can take you with them and show you how to evangelize, but have accountability in that. Set goals for yourself, for one another, to hold each other accountable to, you know, hey, I'm going to share the gospel, you know, one, I'm going to have one gospel-centered conversation a week. You know, that's the one thing I would really encourage in that. Um, and then whoever that one person or multiple people are, Sunday school class, whatever it might be, um, those people that you have as accountability partners in this effort to evangelize, you know, make that intentional every week to have that conversation with them to say, hey, who did you share the gospel with this week? Uh, that's the one thing that I, that I wanted to add in there before I missed my opportunity. So uh, sorry I threw something else in there in, in the plugs. My bad. That's all right. Uh, we'll forgive you this time, but next time. Thank you. You got to you gotta cut that stuff out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what you got for us, man? I'll give two uh, real quick. One is Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. It's a book by J.I. Packer. Um, it's a real short read, um, and it tackles more, um, in terms of just theology of how God works through evangelism rather than why you should evangelize or how to evangelize. So, 
um, it's a good complimentary read. And like, like, if you don't believe you should be evangelizing, then read something else, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but uh, you know, and if you don't know how to evangelize, maybe look at the three circles. But or you know, even if you think you do, look at that as well, because I'm, I'm gonna definitely gonna check that out. Um, and there's also a YouTube video. I guess we can share this on Facebook or put it in our. Do we have liner notes? We should. I don't know. There's a video called "The Gospel in 90 Seconds" um, or "How to Share the Gospel in 90 Seconds" by the Village Church, oh. and it just kind of gives a quick rundown of a way to share the gospel. Um, and I don't think I would ever use it verbatim, but it if you it kind of gives just a general outline structure to just kind of get in your mind of how you might tackle sharing the gospel with somebody biblically. Um, so yeah, that's my two. Dude. Yeah, and that's uh, important to note, Chris, that that none of these things that we're recommending or suggesting here are the way. Um, they are all pointing to the way, but all of these are really just methods to get to that. Um, so we don't want it to sound like we've you know just figured it all out because I sure as heck haven't. <laughs> um, but these are just tools that we've used or that I've used that I know has been helpful for myself, and so. Yeah. Anyway, man, I, I love the, the plugs from all you guys, except for Jamie, the the ones I have and Corey. Uh, <laughs> I have Corey's phone died. We'll recommend him getting a phone charger. Oh, uh, <laughs> I actually have, I actually have three that I'm going to recommend um, because as we were Over in me. the uh, conversation, <laughs> more come to mind. The first one, I haven't read this book, so it could be absolutely horrible. So take that for caution, but I don't think it will be. Uh, I should have, and acted like he had read it. Um, it's, a, <laughs> it's published by Replicate, which I think every one of us has mentioned something about Replicate uh, on this podcast, so uh, I trust it knowing who it's coming from, and it's called The Gospel Conversation by Sam Greer. Uh, I'm going to actually read that this week uh, as I'm in between semesters. Um, so looking forward to that. I'd recommend buying it. Um, don't know how much it costs. I got it free at the Southern Baptist Convention, so I, I have no idea how much it costs or anything of the nature. Um, another one is called Evangelism Is dot dot dot. How to share Jesus <laughs> with passion and confidence. I had to read this for the, the class I'm in for my scholarship, and I, I really enjoyed this book. It's a series that they're doing. So they have one called Discipleship Is, and then. Uh, I just saw one um, that they just released called Spiritual Growth Is. Um, and then my third book is called Learning Evangelism from Jesus by Jerem Bars. And this one I had to read back when I was getting my bachelor's degree from Baptist College of Florida. And I remember reading it. And Daniel, as you were talking about the three circles and how they trained y'all in the three circles, it's exactly that. It's learning how christ trained uh his uh, disciples to evangelize so i would recommend those three books for the listeners out there and well guys I, i've enjoyed the conversation i think it's been very insightful in the idea of relational evangelism and i think this is as i think we've all alluded to it but jamie specifically said earlier that this is the one of the primary ways that we can evangelize the people in our lives and so i'm encouraged by that and i hope that the listeners have been enjoyed this conversation and before we get off here we just want to add one more thing is that we're looking at the episodes that we have coming up and this if the listeners out there if you have anything you want us to talk about or any answers any questions you might have or specific topic that you're curious about uh, hit one of us up on facebook or twitter or or the podcast page itself and we'll be more than happy to have an episode on a specific topic for you guys Unless we can't answer that question, and then we'll refer you to somebody else that can. Yeah, um, and don't forget to go and like us and and be our friend. No, give <laughs> us a rating on uh, iTunes. That that definitely helps to get the word out about the podcast. So if you can, if you love us enough, go and do that. Well, guys, this has been the Everyday Ministry Podcast, a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. And we are praying for you and the ministry in which God has placed you in. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. 